Welcome back to another week of Brave New Workforce. Uh, I'm your host, Trip O'Dell, and I am joined as ever with by my partners in crime, Larry Cornett and Anna Kadina. How are you guys doing today? Hey, we're doing good. How are you? Good, good. We've got a special guest this week. Uh, we are joined by Tom Moran from uh, Protoscore. Uh, I met Tom a few weeks ago. Uh, he, I was introduced through the founder of Protoscore, uh, and they do something really interesting and super relevant to remote teams. Protoscore actually has a system to not only see which of your employees are most productive, but also to look at that holistically and determine what are the best practices going forward, how to optimize things within your organization. So I found that to be super interesting and to give a uh, sort of a teaser on like, what could the future of those types of systems be to a modern workforce and remote work? So Tom, welcome to the Brave New Workforce. I appreciate being here. Good to see you all. Nice to meet you, Larry and Anna, and talk with you, Trip again, once again. Appreciate the opportunity. So hopefully I didn't butcher the value proposition of ProtoScore too badly. Um, you know, I, and I'm, I'm not speaking out of turn, but tell us a little bit about the company and sort of the vision and, and the, the founding story and all that kind of good stuff. Yeah, absolutely. You know, there are so many analytics engines out there. And when we looked at uh, this, we said, gosh, when you consider productivity and intelligence around productivity, it's multidimensional. There are so many different elements that feed into what makes a person produce the right outcomes for an organization in different roles. So how do we you know, attack the quantification and the qualification of data around that? And we wanted to do it most importantly in a way that was simplistic, could be easily interpreted, didn't require, you know, data scientists to utilize the data before it would affect a business and a business sections. So what we've done is focused on a technology ecosystem, specifically cloud-based tools that are in place for knowledge-based workers. And we aggregate the data and roll it up in the way of a simple score, a quick analogy might liken it to a FICO score, which we'll be familiar with, where there are 1,000 points of uh, financial data, credit history for an individual. And if someone applies for a credit extension or a loan so, on a but, car, but, can quickly but, get that. So I'm sorry to interrupt, Tom, but uh, just sort of a FICO score being like your credit rating. Like if you go to buy a car and you're able to see like how much money somebody should be able to lend you or not is like how much credibility professionally should we give to this person or not? Is that, is that kind of like what you're describing? Yeah. Uh, it, it, you know, a FICO score rolls up a, 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 all of that data into a simple score. And we do that with respect to data points about systems that are in use that affect overall outcomes from a role in an organization. That's the analogy I was going to try to draw. And that's what we do. And so there is a, a tremendous supportive information behind it, but we try to simplify the overall rating of an employee, but yeah, justify it with objective data. That's really cool. I mean, do you guys also then aggregate at different levels of management structures so that you could see, well, this manager's organization, what is their score versus another manager's score? 
Yeah, it's an incredibly important question because when you look at empowering an organization, you know, the, the idea is creating transparency across that organization. So the role-based definition that we do in describing productivity, we do in fact rate manager to manager. We, we look at, at, at peer-to-peer within different roles in the organization because it has to be equitable and it has to be trended over time. It has to be benchmarked in, in similar roles. So that, you know, the, the, the idea is putting in place the right coaching. And the coaching isn't always manager to manager. It can be peer to peer. It can be senior executive to manager. And it's about, you know, shining the light in a way to provide opportunity for guided action that, that, that produces the right outcomes. This isn't about a stick. It isn't about a carrot. It's about truly, you know, embracing what's come at us so fast with digital transformation and, ma- and making sense of it all, you know? Yeah, I think the one thing that jumped out that I was happy to see about ProtoScore is, you know, you don't do the keystroke logging or screenshots, which that's kind of been the dark side, I think, of some of the monitoring solutions or the ones where the employees feel like, wow, they're taking pictures of me through, and some do through the webcam. Uh, they're looking at my keystrokes, they're monitoring every single thing I'm doing to make sure I'm sitting in my seat. And I, I noted specifically that your company does not do that. At all. You know, those types of applications have been around, as you all know, for 15 plus years. And you know what? There's a place for that. If you look at uh, defense sector or, you know, some high security environments where over and beyond two-factor authentication, you might go to a level of looking at who's at a workstation. And there's reasons for that. There's reasons why companies want to know what might be navigated uh, from a workstation in a very secure environment. The challenge is when the transition was made six months ago with distribution of employees on a worldwide scale. People were either distraught or embracing and becoming determined about how do they manage that. And and oftentimes those types of tools, they were, you know, people were reaching out to those companies to say, hey, give me an ability to track. We're not about tracking people. We're about providing insight that helps organizations grow. And if you do that effectively, you're affecting all areas of the the structure, not only senior executives giving them information, but making employees feel comfortable about what they're doing in whatever environment they're working in, whether they're at home, whether they're in a hybrid environment, where they're in sometimes, whether they're working from their car, whatever it might be, you know, where are you the most comfortable? Where can you produce the best outcomes? And how can we make senior executives, specifically CX level executives, feel comfortable with that in this new future of work that's before us. I think it's interesting too, because it provides, I mean, I guess it depends on how you implement it, but it, dep- it provides this opportunity for transparency. So, you know, in this whole pandemic, uh, it seems like everyone has become an armchair data scientist. Everybody's talking about flattening the curve and these predictive analytics and where things are heading and what that could mean. But I think like the nice thing within a work environment is that you can get ahead of a negative trend that might be evolving early. Like you can actually see where team has a new manager there. The trend is lower. It's something's flattened out. Something's not going as well, or a new employee is starting to struggle. Um, you can get in there and it doesn't have to be confrontational. It can actually be very proactive and, and empowering and trying to help people get better at the job or even learn new ways from people that are doing it better. They're outliers. They've, they've come in and they've done something different. What are they doing? 
how do we how do we clone that across the organization and make it more effective as opposed to making that a, that's a bad employee or that's a great employee and that fixed characteristic yeah data is a very powerful element isn't it uh and when used properly and balanced you know when you look at someone with really good people skills great judgment and an ability to execute and as you know to your point trip of of encouraging the right behavior from those that are doing well in an organization and coaching in the right way that's how data becomes useful in the wrong hands and used the wrong way it can be very detrimental so we walk a a, a very straight balance on that and that's why we do encourage transparencies in the organization that's the only way you're going to get people to embrace technology you know this interdependency that's happened with technology and human beings you gotta remember that data is objective and that's great but you gotta have empathy as well right there's an art and there's a there's a science to it there's an emotion and there's a logic to it it's about balance you know doing it the right way i'm curious how do you measure kind of more of those quote-unquote softer skills in terms of productivity versus the hard set skills of, you know, skill sets and talent? Um, well, how does that affect the productivity score? Is there a background behind that or a, a, a math behind that? I have the same you know, question because it, it, it was really like, please, would you ever base an annual review entirely off a of proto score? Was that something that you guys think could replace a, a typical performance review? Yeah, look, I, I, I think that the more HR senior executives that we talk to have eliminated annual reviews and they want people engaged quarterly, weekly, you know, in, in, in what they're doing. And, and that's the way work has trended. How productive are annual reviews? Do you wait that long? You know, that's kind of lagging, isn't it? Do you wait an entire year to coach someone or do you engage with them more frequently? And Anna, to your question, when you look at this and you say, what are my top performers doing? And and, and it's curious sometimes when you look at how cloud-based applications are engaged and, and how it leads to outcomes, it can be different from one associate to another in the same role. And you have to consider that. And that's where you get into some better balanced understanding of what the workday looks like. And we begin to analyze, we call it a heartbeat of performance throughout the day. So we're not only collecting data, but we're mapping activities throughout the day. And we're looking at, you know, what parts of the days have people been most productive? Let me give you an example of a sales executive. Should they be executing a lot of phone calls early in the morning? And then maybe following up later in the day with video collaboration or their email communications. So there's different ways to engage tools. And so we try to understand what are the best uh, uh, methods, what are the best practices that can be moved across organizations. The tougher one is how uh, managers interpret and utilize the data. You know, oftentimes when you when you have information, someone will be afraid of that. You know, you got to look beyond employees You look at mid-level managers that are thinking, gosh, Anna is my CFO and I'm a vice president of finance. And then she finds out that I didn't have visibility, some things that I should have known about, you know, through the use of data. And people can be frightened by that. But again, it's about guided action and knowing that there will be some tough conversations, but that is the only way people improve, right? And, and, and it's about doing it again with the right skill, judgment, and ability. And, and, and that's so important, you know, otherwise it gets pretty harsh. 
don't know if that answered your question directly, Anna. Yeah, another question or kind of like a follow-up question, you know, certain managers, especially in the conversion over to a more remote world are worried that their employees are not putting in the full eight hours. But obviously, we don't always track productivity in an eight-hour scope. How does your software recognize time put in versus effort put in? Is there a metric that is tracked on that? Yeah, so let me try to visually paint this on a, on a, on a, a voice communication. Uh, you know, we map a timeline, if you will, and activity. Think of a heartbeat, a mapping of a heartbeat. And these peaks would correlate to high activity periods throughout the day. And those high activity periods are quantified and point directly back to data and engagement. You know, curiously, are there micromanagers out there that are concerned about what their employees are doing? You know, a bigger problem is people working too much. You know, what used to be work-life balance has just collided now, and it's not about that anymore. It's about how do you balance that out? And, and, and the challenge that we see has been more so the opposite way, that people are getting burned out. You know, and how effective are you once you hit hour 14 and hour 15 in a day? And then what is your performance affected? You know, how is it affected the next day? Are you clear of mind, clear of thought? You know, do you use the best judgment when you're when you're torching it in your 15th and 16th hour? So, Anna, when we map this, we look at the other end of the spectrum, too. And frankly, that, you know, when, when we graphically show this to organizations, it's been enlightening to them because the insight is that, you know what, people are working too much. Now, are there outliers? Are there people that are skating? Absolutely. We see that right away. You know, and those are, quite frankly, are probably people that weren't performing in an office. Is it related to the environment? Or is it related to the person and how they're executing their their role? You know, or yeah, I, I mean, in my my new role, I mean, this is I'm coming in in a in a. I just recently joined a company as a as chief experience officer. the 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 challenge there in coming in, and it's a fairly young company and hasn't had a lot of culture in there, and they're now newly remote, is trying to figure out like. Oh, well, this person was a strong performer and then they're dropping off. Well, I guess, you know, they're just not into the mission anymore. And it's like, well, what's changed in their life? Like a, a, an experienced manager is going to try to look at that holistically. Um, and, you know, we're a lot of companies will say, well, we're data driven. It's like, well, you'd never drive your car only with the rear view, you know, the rear view window. Like there seems to be some predictive analytics or it can recognize some patterns and say, you know what, this person cuts out at two, you know, at 2 p.m., but they're on it. 2 a.m. and they're getting stuff done at 2 a.m. Like, do we care? Are you delivering 40 hours worth of value uh, or more? Uh, or are you there from nine to five? I think that's really interesting. So what types of things in terms of like, are, are you dabbling in prediction at all? Yeah, we, you know, it, it, it goes back to the mapping and we're being careful with predictive analytics for this reason. And it goes back to what I said about the balance that, that happens in roles. Uh, you know, do we want to generate alerts and can we generate alerts relative to look, Tom's productivity was at these levels and all of a sudden he trended off. Yes, we can drive those sorts of alerts out. You know, are we getting to a point where we say, you know what, uh, Anna, you've come in in the morning, one, two, three, four. These are the four things you need to do with your organization. No, we're not there. And, you know, that's a that's a tough road because you do you look purely at the data or do you say, you know what, Trip has been a, an, an incredible performer, 
And since this isn't a JPEG, it's not a sound bite, it's not an instance in time, but it's tracking information over a trend, I can see that something happened. And what is that something? Has Tripp had a death in his family? Has he had a personal change? You know, considering the, again, back to the human elements of empathy, you know, and managing properly, uh, are we looking towards uh, sharpening up the alerting functionality and the ability to generate some sort of predictive analytics? Yes, but we want to be very careful with that for reasons related to this. I think if you're too binary, binary it becomes challenging. I'm sorry, go ahead, Larry. No, I was just going to say it reminds me of a an instance where we had a pretty high-level executive came in and was looking at our product metrics. He, he lived in our dashboard. <laughs> And he was really worried. There was one weekend, he said, the numbers completely fell through the floor. They dropped. You guys are failing. What's going wrong with the product? And we took a look and it was in a specific country. And we said, there's a huge amount of soccer games going on in that country right now. And, and so nobody's on our product, you know, especially at this time, there wasn't a mobile app, like sitting in front of a computer. They're watching soccer. They're at the stadium. And I said, it's everything's okay. <laughs> so it's interesting that I think, there's probably an opportunity for you guys to start looking at other data inputs that are more environmental, what's going on in the country, the economy, things like, hey, there's a lot of soccer going on this weekend, so maybe people aren't working as much. Are you starting to look at external data too? We have not, but that's a very interesting point, you know, and, and, and also extending beyond knowledge workers, you know, with so much wearable digital technology now, you know, you take someone in a distribution center or in a warehouse, or you know what happens when any of the partial delivery companies come to your house with the, you know, the tablets that they carry and whatnot. And, you know, there's GPS on all those vehicles and they have duration. Once that vehicle stops, they start clicking and they start counting and there's time that they have to get the package off, delivered back in the truck and rolling again. You know, we're, we're looking uh, at expanding over and beyond knowledge workers. We have considered some of the environmental aspects but that's very interesting very interesting a great point for sure yeah i mean uh, you brought up the 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 case of delivery i mean i i worked i worked on logistics when i was with amazon and you'd you there was so much built into the the gis like all of the street conditions and crime maps and weather conditions or whatever i mean it's it's stuff that only the cia used to do uh, in terms of looking at, at what what are what are things that we need to do in terms of determining reasonable expectations, and I think like going back to even the the country thing, when I first joined big tech, um, it was I joined Adobe, and I was always surprised that people are like, why is everybody rolling up the sidewalks like it's the end of the year? It's only October, and it was like, dude, it's Diwali. Right. Like, I mean, it's like, there's so much of the company that's in India or people that are, I mean, that's, that's a huge holiday. And then you had to plan for that. So, you know, I think that is, that is really interesting is it's really, it's not so much a, a work productivity tracking. It's almost like a context engine. It adds context or data and puts it in context. Yeah, and another thing I wanted to mention because we're exploring, you know, it is it has been implemented. We're improving upon it as we use elements of uh, natural language processing as well. So when we're analyzing this data and we're looking at, let's say, the way Tom was communicating, either through voice communications on outbound calls or taking calls, or what his chat sessions were like, or what his email traffic was like. And we can apply some analysis to keywords that were used. And it's interesting to look at trending over time. 
And I'm telling you, you can almost spot when someone's having a bad afternoon or a bad day because you vector all those points together and you're like, wow, something's going on there between those hours. Something bad happened and you can see it, you know, it's, it's, it's amazing how you can see it. What, what kind of concerns um, have employees said about perhaps privacy or things like that? Because, I mean, if something bad happened in my life, I don't necessarily want my employer knowing about it and messaging me about it and saying, you know, like, I don't want to tell people about my personal uh, inner workings. <laughs> so how does, how does that work or what, 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 how are you dealing with the, the privacy, I would say? Right. So let me qualify that a little bit with respect to email traffic and whatnot. That's through corporate email and corporate addresses. So, you know, we always coach people, look, if, it, if you don't want something on the front page of a newspaper, don't put it in a corporate email, you know, because it, 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 with, with us, you know, not, 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 not gonna even considering ProtoScore or any company like ours, that data is forever, right? And, you know, with respect to what we see and what we capture, it's, it's corporate information, first of all. And, and when we look at this, it is based on trended information over time. We're not looking at, you know, specifics of what someone did in their personal life. Even, you know, the, 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 the software application is agnostic to the device they're using. So whether you're using a personal tablet or your mobile phone or your own laptop, it's only the data that's collected through corporate interaction that, that, that we're picking up and, and looking at. And again, think of this, we're not looking at providing a stick for anyone. Uh, and employees know that we encourage the transparency. And it's amazing to me, you know, we survey on a very regular basis, all levels of people in the organizations. And we've rolled up data from 35,000 users now. And that includes C-level executives, mid-level managers, and employees. And Hannah, it was, Hannah, it was really interesting when the employee feedback came back and they liked Number one, a gamification aspect of it because they can rank themselves against others in the same role. They liked seeing how they were performing. They liked seeing how others were performing in their role. And they asked, hey, can we have visibility to our manager? And the hierarchy of the application, the way it's set up, if organizations want to do that, we can share that. And I think that's healthy, right? Because when you shine the light, shine it all the way, shine it to everybody so everybody knows it's being applied and, and you know, it, everyone's in it together. Because I think when you correlate data that way, it's where it becomes valuable and employees are not threatened by it. They, they, they've embraced it. They like, like I say, they like the gamification. They like the exposure. If I'm working hard, Larry, I want you to know it. I want you to see it. I want you to believe it because, uh, you know, otherwise, uh, you know, it, it, when you don't have certain defined outcomes, you know, if you're in a, in, in a finance role or an operations role and, and you're measured differently, sometimes it's harder for employees to say, gosh, do they really know how hard I'm working? It's binary in other roles in business development, sales, you know, either the, <clears throat> the revenues are there or they aren't. But, you know, you, you got to be mindful of the fact that we're applying across all roles and everybody's voice matters, you know, and, and how we collect that data is, has to be well, equitable. Larry, Ann, and I are all creatives. And I mean, that that's like nobody, like <laughs> people only know what we do when stuff goes wrong. Right. It's, it's like when the stuff, like, it's like good design is like when, when, it, when stuff doesn't go wrong. Right. So it's, it's like, well, what do they do all day? They've got all those Nerf guns. Right. I mean, it's, it's, it's a different, <laughs> exactly. It's yeah. a different thing, but I, I see so much applicability to this, like even just beyond the workforce or maybe where we need to broaden the idea of the workforce is like remote school. Like, I don't think remote school is going away. It's terrible right now because people haven't designed well for it. 
but um, you know, this idea of like high stakes exams and, you know, what kids are doing, what they're watching and are they paying attention and are they learning and are they in school for eight hours? I think there's a, there's a similar sort of human performance thing and how, how somebody's working really hard. And I grew up with dyslexia and my kids are all dyslexic. They work really hard. How do you, how do you measure those sorts of things? So I think there's like applicability to this kind of problem. I mean, I think that's why we wanted to talk to you because it's, it's a really interesting space. So where do you see the future of this going? Yeah, it's it, it's so interesting. You know, education. We've been contacted a number of times, and it is primarily the driver is the work from home environment. Not only measuring how the students are interacting, but the effectiveness of uh, look at it as a moderator, the teacher, those delivering content. We're not there yet. You know, and there's so many different factors you apply to that. Specifically, you know, when you say, "Okay, I'm going to measure someone in a remote environment that's attending school," and you know, in a K through 12 level. And then I roll down to my post office and I see children with their parents sitting in a public library parking lot because they don't have Wi-Fi at home. I'm sure you've seen media of, of people with their family sitting outside of Taco Bell's where they're floating free Wi-Fi. And my point is, you know, you look at the environment that some of these children are in and how do you how do you objectively apply data to them and say, gosh, you know, you're not performing as well. You're not as well engaged versus a child that has great Wi-Fi at home that's in an isolated environment, with a great desk, you know, great lighting, nice dedicated computer. I mean, it, it's it's tough. Um, that piece is really important to to think about. We have been approached in the educational sector. You know, I, I think our next drift to your question, Trip, might be more so towards uh, the other data points that come from wearable technology. And, you know, I go back to the delivery drivers in a space that you know well with partial delivery. I talked to a gentleman that delivers in my neighborhood one day, and he said, you know, people think I'm not friendly. He said, but what they don't understand, I'm mapped, and I got time from the time I stop my vehicle, I have to unload the partial, I have to get it to somebody, I have to get back in the part, you know, vehicle and roll again. I don't have time for niceties. He's a human being. He wants to socialize. So, you know, again, when we start mapping that and you and you look at that and you look at efficiency, what about the person that's doing a really good job with delivery trip? But they want to stop and they want to talk to Anna because they see her, they see her three times a week because she gets a lot of deliveries and, you know, then their overall scoring goes down because they're not moving as quickly. You know, it's just, it's, it's a curious or, world or, with data sometimes. Or somebody who's elderly and may not get a lot of social interaction at all in, you know, in a pandemic or whatever. I mean, it's like, that's their one point of human contact. I mean, it's, it's. It, it's almost like a brand extension. Would you rather, would you rather have them be hyper efficient uh, or would you rather have people look forward to the UPS man or the FedEx person or the Amazon driver showing up? You know, and you look at agility too with organizations, you know, those things that used to be thought of as nice to have, they're, they're necessary for survival now. And I, I was talking to a gentleman down in Chattanooga, Tennessee this morning, and he was telling me that they've floated 5G throughout the city. You know, and the 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 possibilities that that begins to create for citizens and businesses and whatnot, it's just the dynamics of that are so powerful, you know, when you look at that. So there's so many elements. Where do we see this going? I mean, we want to do really well with what we're doing with the knowledge workers today because there's such vast opportunity. And I know that we're all going to get to a healthy environment and then businesses will make a decision about going back to an office or keeping sections of their 
employee base, if not all of them remote, but we're prepared and we're in a good space for that. You know, we'll tackle that. We'll do that well. And then we move on from there, you know, with the right advisement. You know, we've, we've begun to put together more focus groups uh, to get an understanding of what the demands are out there. So we're not we're not developing in a bubble, most importantly, is what we think is important. You know, we want to know what our clients think and those that aren't our clients. You know, where, where the, where's the world going with, with, with the future of work? And we're trying to engage with that on a global scale in different conferences we're attending virtually to learn, you know, to listen and to get an understanding um, because we're, we're right on the front end of what we're doing and we want to get so much better at it, you know? So I imagine like there's probably been some surprising insights that have come out of this or some, like even maybe some, some funny ones so that not asking you to name customers or name names or anything like that. Cause, um, we all have those types of stories, but like, if like, maybe like, what's some of the more surprising things that you wouldn't think you'd be able to discover with a system like this as a, as a business owner, as an employee? Yeah. You know, one of the insights, and I, I'm going to qualify this, that it's not funny in any way. It was very informative though, but it was a surprising one to me. And I was talking specifically to a global HR executive about how she's thinking about preserving virtual culture. And she said, you know, the conversations that are happening in the boardroom with my CX team, and again, this is a global organization, were around some of the changes that have happened and how they're in ways positive. And I said, what does that mean? And she said, well, there were elements of the culture that we wanted to move away from. And I said, what is that? I could tell that she was hesitating. And she said, Tom, our sexual harassment claims have completely collapsed globally. And average defense of a sexual harassment claim is about $350,000, whether it's through defense attorneys, mitigation, the process. That's the average. Workers' compensation claims have completely collapsed for this organization in that world. Um, uh, discrimination claims, workforce discrimination claims have completely fallen down for them. I guess that was a surprising aspect of, and I'm not sure that that insight was provided through Protoscore. It wasn't. It was provided through, you know, discussions and follow-up with an HR executive uh, using the application and, and just insight that she had. And you look at costs of technology, you know, take one sexual harassment claim of $350,000, you know what technology that buys? And the other byproduct of that is the efficiency with uh, the distributed workforce specific to sales and marketing. And before we got started, I was talking about how much travel I used to do and the cost and the time of flying across the country, renting a car, entertaining a couple clients, maybe through dinner, going to a hotel, going back, flying to another city. And collectively, my expense reports over a year's time, I, I hate to reflect on. But when you do multiples on that with, with business development people across organizations globally, you might have money that's not being spent right now on that sort of thing, just a segment of that, 5% of that, pays for a tremendous amount of technology needed for digital transformation and enabling or, people in the right way. Or headcount, like people people like that can help accelerate your business. And, you know, I mean, not only to mention like all those expenses in the travel, but they're still paying for your empty seat back at the office, right? I mean, it's... It, there's somebody's like even when the lights aren't on that building you're paying rent on that building 
I'm curious to see um, if there's an indicator on happiness level or engagement level in your productivity score, because I imagine, you know, less sexual harassment and all these things would equal happiness. But I mean, sometimes you also see the negative sides of uh, poor, me- poor mental health. Extroverts are really suffering because they don't have that human connection. I'm wondering if that like outweighs. Of course, it outweighs. But I'm just saying um, the... If if where does the balance lie when it comes to employee satisfaction versus from like the introverts, let's just say, or the extroverts? Um, is there is that measurable? Yeah, is it measurable with ProtoScore? I, I mentioned some aspects of sediment analysis that we do, and we're trying to improve upon that. I, I think that, you know, with respect to the workforce and their satisfaction levels, you know, you, you, we always ask C-level executives, what problems are you looking to solve for? You know, if you don't trust people, no technology in the world is going to change that. All it's going to do is, is, is work through some confirmation bias, isn't it? If you think something, Anna, and you want data to prove that for you, it'll prove it for you. I, I think that, you know, for if you really embrace streamlining employee experience, and what that truly means, does it matter where people work? To Tripp's earlier uh, a comment about if someone engages from 8 to 10 in the morning and then they drop for a few hours and they pick it up, you know, aren't you really concerned with what the outcome is, what the output is for that individual? Or is it purely activity-based? You know, I think it's about getting folks, employees, everybody to a point where you determine where you're the most productive. And we can put applications, we can put data in place to help with that so that everybody feels comfortable because it's, uh, it, you know, if data makes people feel more com- uncomfortable, what are you accomplishing with digital transformation? You know, you're putting tools in place that really restrict people, right? You know, you want to encourage the right behavior because that's how you get high output. That's how you get high satisfaction. And that's how you have happy people, you know? I mean, how many times do folks move to environments that they're not really happy in, whether it be a particular city because they have to go there, they have to relocate their families because they had a job offer and they don't want to pass an opportunity? You know, what if I like living in Costa Rica? Can I do what I do today living there or anywhere else? Yeah, I can in the new future of work if it's done the right way. So I think employees, if they understand this and how powerful it can be for them, their satisfaction level gets very, very high because they're in an environment where they're the most productive and they feel the happiest. You know, data shouldn't be restrictive to that. It shouldn't be a constraint. It should be an enabler. Going back to sort of the international part and sort of the surveillance part, because I think there's a lot, there's a big, I mean, you have company cultures, but then you have like culture of origin. Um, and you know, I, I studied a lot of the sort of the science behind sentiment measurement with words, right? Different words have different sort of valence and, and, uh, you know, positive and negative and, and, and high and low sort of intensity, but those are very culturally based. So is there like, you just get somebody from England cursing versus somebody from the United States cursing. And you'll see what, see what I mean. (laughs) They use very different words and they have very different intensities on each side of the pond. Uh, But the, but the, uh, the, 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 and this is always the, the concern with AI and and machine learning is bias creeping in Uh, by like how, 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 and I think that maybe, predicting like that goes to the predictive analytics of like being careful about that. How are you, how are you 
protecting against that? Yeah. So today we're uh, just driving through English speaking countries. So having a language utility you know, in place or translation utility, that's not a that's not a big step to take. Could we do that? Yes. But it's the elements you're talking about, Trip, and, and how the data is interpreted and what the work days are like, you know, uh, in in uh, in in Europe, what the what the periods are off versus, you know, taking a vacation and what that means versus going on holiday for a period of time in Europe and it being different, it being okay versus, you know, some work ethics in, in other countries. So we're just beginning our expansion globally into Australia, New Zealand, and some other markets, and we're getting smarter based on that. But we're not there yet. Again, when you say, hey, you know, what are you looking forward to? And that's, you know, staying what we know very well, and then expanding the footprint so we can get better at what we do. But the, the piece that you bring up is really important. And other reason, you know, specifically, with regards to sediment analysis and predictive analytics, you're right, it's different. I mean, I, uh, I've had the privilege of dealing with people in different countries over time, and I and I and I love that the different nuances and approaches to business, you know, and and how they do it. And sometimes what might be looked upon as, gosh, that's pretty harsh. That's just the way words are done, you know. Being direct is okay, you know. And I don't want to point to certain countries, but you know, the idea. Some cultures are very, very direct. They don't have a lot of uh, niceties. They just go directly for it, you know. So. So I was just going to say, it's like, I've really enjoyed this and I can see so many potential directions that your company could go and the value it could add, especially as we're looking at the additional data and expanding to other markets and so forth. So we have a lot of listeners that are looking at the future of work. We have a lot of leaders, managers, people running companies. Where can they learn more about your company and how they can engage with you? Yeah. So we have a host of webinars that we, uh, uh, put in place on a weekly basis. Protoscore.com is our landing page. Uh, they can reach me directly at tom at protoscore.com. I'm chief strategy officer. I'd certainly be willing to help directly or, you know, put people in place that that, that can engage with them. But, you know, it, again, it's, uh, it's, it's interesting, you know, uh, uh, with respect to the organizations we're dealing with and what was thought about, you know, being the right business continuity plans and how everything has changed so dramatically, doing it the right way is so important and we're trying to uh, align with the right organizations so that um, we are delivering the right agility with them in the new future of work. Very excited about it. Appreciate the opportunity to talk with you all today and um, providing uh, uh, some insight and also listening to your feedback is powerful for me. Well, and I'm getting this a little, little out of order, but Tom, one of the things just before we go, like I was super impressed with how easy it is to turn ProtoScore on. It's, it's not something that you have to be a massive corporation to actually benefit. Like any any small business that has knowledge workers or whatever, like that that's that. This is an interesting way for small companies to get bigger faster or to optimize their operations quicker. So. I, this is not just for the big guys, I think, and that's that's one of the themes that we talk about is that small is the next big. Like how like there's there's a in this in today's day and age you can move faster and more nimble, but having the right tools and the right people along the way can help. So thank you so much for coming on, making the time today. Yeah, appreciate the opportunity to talk with you. If you guys liked uh, I like this episode, you can always subscribe to us on iTunes and all the other podcast uh, RSS feeds. I think we're on Stitcher and Google Podcasts as well. Um, 
You can also email me at AnnaTheBraveWorkforce.com. And if you'd like to check out our page, you can also go to www.TheBraveWorkforce.com to find us. Which reminds me, I need and, to update uh, I think that because it's uh, we don't have about seven of our most recent episodes up there so I know. Podca- you know yes, like go to your, definitely subscribe are you, are get you the most suggesting stuff. we're not running a professional organization <laughs> over here i'm saying that things are you, are fell you apart suggesting? after the apprentices left and i miss them dearly <laughs> okay yes, we all do we all do <laughs> well thank you tom for your time and yes, thank you, uh, Tom. yeah i hope you guys have a great week ahead